So we've been talking about uh, drawing wisdom from the book of Proverbs. The idea that we don't have to pay the dumb tax. Uh, the writer of Proverbs basically writes a lot of the a lot of the Proverbs are written to warn us. To say, my son, pay attention, beware, watch out, look for this. And the answer is why? Because if you listen, then you won't learn a lesson the hard way. And many of us have done that, right? We've been warned, we've been told. Somebody close to us said, "Don't do this, don't go down that road, don't do." And all of a sudden, we did it anyway, and we paid the tax. And what do you do? You think about, man, I wish I had listened to them. Sometimes we say that about our parents, right? Oh boy. Uh, but that's the point, right? Many times good parents warn their children, and sometimes the children learn the hard way. So what we're doing in this series is we're talking about how does, what does Proverbs have to say about certain things, and certain relationships in our lives. And what I want to do is I want to spend this weekend talking about communication because it has a lot to say about communication and communication is so critical to every one of our relationships isn't it in our marriages with our kids and parents uh, with our friends at work it affects all of our relationships Uh, I was thinking about some of the ways that communication can break down in any relationship and there's a lot of ways you can have harsh words Uh, you can have uh, explosive anger right and sometimes uh by the way, one of the worst times to try to communicate is when you're drunk or almost drunk. You, uh, you, you'll wake up and you say, did I really say that? Did I really do that? And so, uh, but harsh words, explosive anger, exaggeration of the facts. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been in an argument with somebody and you exaggerate the facts and they're generally in your favor, not in the other person's favor? Or there's lying and deception. And you know it when you're talking to the other person or when you're talking to them, you know that you're deceiving them or you're lying to them. You're not telling them the truth. Or you, you go, and this is one, you rehearse the past. You bring up the past and you did this and you did this and you did this and you go back to the past. And some of you are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're describing my marriage, you're describing a relationship in my life. But this is very common. Or you compare to others. I mentioned last weekend where my mom one time, more than one time, there I am rehearsing the past, right? Or she ultimately said, you know, your brother, your brother, your brother. And, and I go, I'm not, it's not me. That, I didn't do that. And, and so sometimes we do that. You know, and an underlying current in all of this is stubbornness, isn't it? It's, it's holding on to pride. It's saying, you know what, I can't be found wrong in this. I've got to win this argument. I can't, I can't give in. I can't lose ground here because if I lose ground then what do I do and then finally when all else fails there's always the silent treatment right so the silent treatment is basically where you just say either you know you, you lost the argument or you don't want to argue anymore or you're and you basically say okay, I'm not going to talk well, I don't want to talk about it anymore so that you're silent now it seems like that's a healthy thing to do but it's not uh, because ultimately there's no way to resolve any argument when there's a silent treatment right so the silent treatment is seen by some as a, a, a Christian way to kind of end the argument. Well, I guess we'll just agree to disagree, or not even that is said. You just walk away and say, well, I don't want to talk anymore. And so uh, that's a problem. And this is all; these are all ways, that unhealthy ways, that we deal with conflict, with incommunication. Um, but the Proverbs has a lot to say. Proverbs 12, 14 says, Wise words bring many benefits. Wise words bring many benefits, Proverbs 12, 14. So what I want to do this weekend is I want to look at five 
uh, just really good characteristics of healthy, good communication. All right? So we'll talk about what those look like. And I'm going to contrast this versus this. So uh, five characteristics of wise communication. The first one is this. You speak honestly, not deceptively. You speak honestly, not deceptively. Look what the writer of Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 12, 17. An honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lies. Well, that sounds, you know, pretty straightforward and easily. Uh, Proverbs 15, 4 says, Gentle words are like a tree of life, and a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Now, communication, you have to understand, communication can technically be true, but still deceptive. And some of you are, you have a, you have a, a, a degree, a master's degree, in telling the truth but being deceptive at the same time, um, in, a, in a way. Have you ever, ever said it to another person, well, it really wasn't a lie. I mean, if you technically speaking, it wasn't a lie. Well, at that moment, you're basically saying, yeah, I really didn't tell you the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I really kind of uh, left out a few things. But the thing is, when you leave things out, when you're not honest, when you're not uh, clearly true with another person, you deceive and you deny them the right to know the reality that they may need to know. And you hamper them from making a good decision. You know, um, being deceptive in your talk can really destroy trust. And, you know, many times when I meet with people and they're struggling in a relationship, one of the things that I often find is that one person or both of them will not trust one another because there's been deceptive, there's been lies, there's been deceit in the relationship. And I always say to, to people who are struggling with trust, is trust is like a bank account. You make deposits. And you make those deposits by telling the truth. You make those deposits by being honest. You make those deposits by being where you should be when you say you're going to be there. You, you make deposits along those lines. But here's the thing. The minute that you tell a lie, the minute you deceive somebody, and they find out about it, you just drain that account. And you know what? Oftentimes, you can build an account up and up and up and up. But once you tell a lie, that, that account goes down. And it's harder and harder to fill that account back up. Because in the back of that person's mind, they're saying, are you lying to me again? Are you telling me the truth this time or not? So that's a bedrock for, uh, for honest, healthy communication. Proverbs 24:26 says, An honest answer is like a kiss of friendship. Now, this says two things to me. This verse says two things. And Proverbs are like that. Proverbs are like wise statements that you kind of throw around in your head and you think about them and you kind of look at them from different directions. But it says this in Proverbs 24, 26, an honest answer is like the kiss, a kiss of friendship. And so this speaks of uh, your, 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 uh, your answer being truthful, it being honest, but it also says it's like a kiss of friendship. What does that mean by that? I think what it means as I look at it is, it means that when you bring the truth, you bring it in a loving way. You bring it in a gentle way. You bring it in a way that it, where it can be received. You know, um, when you give somebody a kiss, hopefully, it's a gentle thing. It's a, it's a caress. It's something that is, is to be received tenderly. It's uh, not to hurt or harm. It is to bring love. And so when, we, when we're bringing the truth to somebody, that's the way we ought to have the attitude we ought to have. We ought to have the attitude is, I'm not here to hit you with the truth. I'm here to kiss you with the truth. That sounds weird, but it's true. It's absolutely true. 
Uh, but how many times have you gone to somebody to tell them off or tell them the truth? We'll talk more about that. Because that's point number two. You could speak gently, or a good, good healthy communication means you speak gently, not harshly. You speak gently, not harshly. Uh, look at what Proverbs 15.1 says. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. And you've seen that too, haven't you? Maybe you're one of those where it's easy for somebody to get you going, they get under your skin, they get you going, they get you riled up, and you just get angry and angry. The words get you know hotter and hotter, and the next thing you know, you've, you've got somebody trying to break you off of somebody. Uh, but it says a gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Uh, look at what Proverbs 20, 12, 18 says. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. The words of the wise bring healing. So the question is, how many, how many times are, have you had where you put somebody in their place? You showed them where it's at. You, you, you won an argument. You know, and I find that interesting that so many times in marriages, as I talk with couples, there's so much of winning an argument and feeling that's so important to win an argument in a marriage. And frankly, that is that you, you know, somebody has said you can win the argument, but you lose the war, right? Uh, the war and, and to have a, a, a good marriage is you basically say, I don't care whether I win the argument. I want you to understand. I want the truth to, per, per, to prevail, right? And so... So many arguments or so many marriages and relationships get so petty with people trying to win arguments or trying to put the other person down or prove them wrong. There, I proved you wrong. You were wrong, right? And, you know, when a, when a relationship deteriorates to that point, it's in real trouble. It's in real trouble. Um, I read this verse a couple of weeks ago, but I want to come back to it for a minute because you may not have been here, but I just think it's such a great passage. This is Proverbs twenty-five, fifteen. Patience can persuade a prince, and a soft speech can break bones. Now, that phrase is very interesting to me. A soft, a, a soft speech can break bones. And you say, well, what in the world does that mean? How in the world can soft speech break bones? Well, you, when you approach a person with nothing but love, and you say, my biggest concern here is to communicate clearly. My biggest concern is to win an argument. It's not to put you down. It's not to prove myself smarter than you. My biggest concern is... Because I care about you so much, I am going to say this to you. It's something you desperately need to hear. But I want to say it in the right way, and I want you to hear it. I want it to be like a kiss. I, don't want, it to, I want it to be the truth with a kiss. But I don't want it to um, be harsh. But I want it to be strong, and strong enough so that when you hear it, it will break your bones. And what does that mean? It means that it will get to your heart and it will say, you're right. That is not what I wanted to hear. It is not what I wanted you to say to me, but it is absolutely what I had to have you say to me. I needed you to say that to me. I needed to hear that. And I know in my heart, even though I may not feel like right now, I know in my heart you're right, and I have to hear it. Have you ever had a friend come and say something to you that's been truthful, it's been in love, and you just didn't want to hear it? But when they said it to you, you said, you're right, you're right. I want to hear it, and, and I, don't want, I, I, I don't want to hear it, but I need to hear it. I must hear it. You know, you may say, I don't, I don't want to hear this, but I, in my heart I know I need to. And you may be the person saying it, and you say, you know what? This is so painful for me to have to say to you, but I care about you too much 
not to say it. See, I can't give you the silent treatment. I can't just bypass it. I can't just overlook it. I care about you too much and I need to say it. And I want to say it the right way. And this is so hard for me to say it. And I'm going to take a great risk because it may be that even though I say it in the right way and even though I'm saying the truth and even though I'm doing it in a, really trying to do it in the spirit of love, this may jeopardize our relationship and our friendship forever. But you know what? I would rather do that. I would rather do that because I care enough about you that I'll say it. Well, that's a hard thing to do. Now we're going to the, this is the major league in relationships. This is, this is community, this is not, this is, you, you have to pull your pants up to do this one. This is, this is the big boy league. This is, this is not for the, uh, you have to really say, this is going to be something I'm going to go for and it's going to be a hard thing to do. But I'll tell you what, if you're willing to allow people into your life to speak those words, and if you're willing to speak those words to people that are close to you, you'll find your relationships will go much, much deeper. All right, number three, you speak wisely, not carelessly. Uh, look at Proverbs 10.32. The lips of the godly speak helpful words, but the mouth of the wicked speak perverse words. Now, the word helpful here is interesting. It says the, the lips of the godly speak helpful words. So what does the word mean? In the Hebrew, the word means uh, fitting, delightful, sensible, and attractive. In other words, it's saying you're giving the right words at the right time. You're sharing the right words. They fit. They, they're perfect. They're, they're thoughtful. And that's why sometimes when you just respond or you just kind of throw it off the back of your, you know, this is what I'm thinking and I just say what I think, you know, that could be disastrous and it's probably not very wise when you do that. Uh, oftentimes it's much better to say, what am I going to say and how am I going to say it? What, are the, what, are the, what is the best possible way that I can say it where, where my words will be helpful and not hurtful? What, are the way, what is the best way that I could say it so that, that when, when this person hears it, they, they understand that I'm trying to help them and that I can, I'm concerned about them? Proverbs 16.23 says this, From a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. The words of the wise are persuasive. You know, most of us, probably off the top of our head, probably can't think about how we should say what we should say to a person. We need to think about it. We need to hold our thoughts and think about how we're going to say what we're going to say. And too often we spend very little time reflecting on what we say. and We just let it out there and we think that's good communication. And it's not good communication. Your, your communication must be receivable to the other person. In other words, if you say it in a way they can't receive it, uh, it's not going to communicate. And oftentimes we think all I have to do is say it, and if I say it and get the words out there, then I've done my job. But you haven't done your job. You haven't communicated. If, they ha if you haven't shared in a way they can receive it, you haven't done your job. Think about this. I like to watch basketball. A number of my boys play basketball. And uh, one of the things that, uh, about basketball is a pass is only as good as the person you're throwing it to. And if you throw them a pass they can't catch because they, they can't catch it down here, they can't catch it way up here, it's too fast or too slow. If you throw a pass and they can't, it's not catchable by them, I don't care if you threaded the needle. If they can't catch it, it's not a good pass. 
The only pass that is good is one that they can actually catch. And so the same goes for communication. Good communication can only come when you, when you share it, throw it in a way they catch, that they can catch it. They can get it. They can do this. Now, here's the point. Some of you were raised in a home where you didn't communicate. Communication went like this. People would say something and somebody would roll their eyes or make a, you know, a nonverbal moment, you know, move. Or they would grunt, uh, uh, you know, moan or something. You know, there, noises were made. There were faces and noises. There were grunts. There were moans. There were guttural sounds. But there was no communication. You were raised in, in a home like that. Others of you, though, were raised in a home where uh, it was a little bit more verbal. In fact, it was a lot more verbal. It was a lot of yelling and boisterous and and shooting arms around and flailing and yelling and screaming. And and you know what? When you are raised in a home where you're kind of quiet and docile and there's not much, you know, you know, just stuff like that. And then you're you're you come together in a marriage with somebody who's very bombastic and loud and, you know, the first argument is really quite spectacular <laughs> it it really is um, the point is you need to adapt your communication you need to to do it in a different way your pattern needs to change your words are important but it's not you know we often think what i say and, and it really is what i say the content is so important and it is but you know what is just as important how you say it you say it with sarcasm? Do you, you know, what's your tone when you say it? How do you say it? You know, sometimes, have you, have you ever done that where somebody has said something and you heard what they said and you go, was that sarcastic? Because if that was sarcastic, you're, just, you're, not, you're not actually saying what you just said. You are mocking it. You're, 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 so your tone is so important. Um, you know, the, the, we are told, listen before you speak. But here's the point. We need to make sure that, that you, we are hearing not only the words, but what behind the words. Part, part of good communication is just closing our mouths and hearing the words of what people are saying. But not just hearing the words. Hearing the emotions. Hearing what's behind the words. Because there's a whole lot going on behind the words. Some of you are really good at that. You get the, you know, the, the body language and the verbal and all that stuff that's going on, the eyes and all of that. You get all that. Uh, but you know what? That's really important. Uh, look at Proverbs 18, 13. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody who just, you can't finish a sentence before they start talking? And it's like, what does that communicate to you? Generally, to me, what it communicates to me is, you don't even care what I have to say. <laughs> You've already, you think you know what I'm going to say, but you have no idea what you're going to say. You, you, don't, you don't have enough respect for me that you'll even let me finish my sentence before you dive in. And by the way, when you get to that point where you're starting to jump in on, everyone, on each other, you basically have get, you've jammed the emotion up so high that you ought to call a timeout and say, okay, we're not in a good place right now. Let's take about a half hour, hour break, and let's just let's get our, our heads together and let's think about what we want to say to each other and how we want to say it. And maybe that's the best thing to do. 
I'll tell you a quick story. So a number of years ago, I had a couple come in, and they just said, well, we get in these arguments, we don't have to do it. I said, all right. So uh, we talked a little bit about it. I listened to them, and I said, all right, so here's what I want you to do. When you get in this next argument, I want you to call a timeout. Literally, call a timeout. Somebody call a timeout. And then when you're going to call a timeout, here's what I want you to do. I want you to separate. And I want you to take a, about an hour or two hours, whatever it takes. Don't make it a day, but, you know, a couple hours, an hour, whatever. And I want you to go, and I want you just to go to your good place. Whatever, whatever that means, you know, you, if you need to go read Scripture, pray, go do that. If you want to go for a walk, go do that. You know, whatever you want to do. So I said, okay, go and do it. <laughs> do it. Get out of here and do it. So they went, and they came back, uh, I think it was two weeks later, and they said, well, we tried it. And, and, and we called a timeout. And I said, good, what happened then? And they said, well, we got into an argument. I said, well, what was that over? And he said, well, she wanted to go dust. And I wanted her to come for a walk with me. And I said, so why do you go on walks? Because that's how I relax. I go on walks. And I thought I would go on a walk and she would come with me. And we would just relax together. I said, well, tell me about the dusting. She goes, I don't know what it is. When I dust, it just calms me down. He says, isn't that stupid? I go, no, it's not. So guess what your instructions are for next time? Go, call a timeout. You go for a walk alone. You go and dust. Come back. Let's talk about it. He came back and said, it's unbelievable. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's just learning how to do communication. You know, so many times we get into patterns and we're raised in, pat, in unhealthy patterns and we're around unhealthy patterns and we fall into those. And sometimes we just need somebody to say, hey, you know, call time out. This isn't going the way it should. And, and sometimes that is one of the best things you can do. Uh, I love this verse. Well, let me just say this. Wise communication means you speak the right words in the right way at the right time. And then Proverbs 25:11 says, Timely advice is lovely, like golden apples in a silver basket. Okay, so this isn't, good. This isn't easy. But you have to have your wits about you. You have to have your feet on the ground. You have to be able to... It's so hard sometimes to look past the emotion and look to the person and look to the long-run win, which is... I want to be in closer relationship with this person, and I don't want to do anything now that will, that's going to continually jeopardize that. And that's really hard to do because we're all tied into this. And remember, there's a spiritual battle going on in the middle of all this. So you have to realize the enemy just wants to divide you. He wants you to win your, you know, win the argument, you know, walk away the victor. Uh, so you have to remember all that. You have to look past that and say, you know what? I have to. We have to win. Not me. We have to win. We both have to win. And the way we win is we communicate. And that's not always going to feel good, but you know, in the long run, it, you'll, you'll, you'll just, it's the only way to grow deeper. Number four, you speak directly and not indirectly. Notice what it says. Uh, speak directly, not indirectly. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18. Hate, hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. And then Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Gossip separates the best of friends. Now, if you go to the New Testament, James says something similar. 
He says, humble yourselves before the Lord, brothers. Don't slander or attack one another. Now, it doesn't say it's okay to slander, you know, if you're just trying to let people know about how bad this No, it just says don't slander or attack. The verb slander means to speak against. Now, the intent is here to belittle, to put, to pour contempt out on, to mock, to hurt, to harm, to destroy, to rejoice in a purported evil of this person. This isn't respectful disagreement, okay? This isn't talking about two people who disagree. This is talking about somebody who is basically trying to put another person down. Proverbs puts it this way in Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. So Proverbs is basically saying that if you go ahead and gossip, if you go ahead and believe the lie, and it may be true, who knows what it is, but if you go over and you just believe it or you, you pass it on to someone else, when you do that, you are not promoting love. And it's separating close friends. Now, in this verse, in Proverbs 17:9, it says, He who covers an offense promotes love. What does it mean to cover an offense? What does the writer of Proverbs say when he means when he says cover an offense? It means this. Rather than letting a bad, a bad report pass in your, into your heart as truth. This is gossip. This is when somebody comes to you and say, did you hear about? Did you hear the news? Did somebody tell you? Let me tell you what happened. Rather than letting a bad report pass to your heart as truth, and then you pass it along to others, you should seek to keep the matter from destroying your love and regard for the person. Don't let it go into your heart. Don't let it destroy how you feel about that person. Now, how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, you, you, you begin at a place where you may not think you begin. You begin with yourself. And, and you, it begins by remembering your own sinfulness. Notice what it says in Proverbs 16:2. All a man's ways seem innocent to him. But motives are weighed from the Lord. You have to come to a place where you realize that uh, if you know that you, that a lot of the ways and a lot of things you do seem innocent to you, but you're not innocent. That you're guilty. That you're a sinner. And you realize and remember that and rehearse that. That you realize that you mess up and you say things that are wrong and you do things that are wrong. And when you do that, in other words, it helps you to become, to, to, it keeps you from becoming too sure of yourself and your position and speaking too strongly against other people that hear about, you hear about, or people on the other side of the conflict. In other words, you, you say, you know what, uh, I better be careful about this because you know what, I'm, I'm kind of a sinner too. And I better be careful about what I assume and what I think. See, we intuitively realize that we're not seeing things right. That we're skewed. That we're sinners. And that we're hearing only one part of the story. So if we take it in and believe it, or we pass it on to others, what we're doing is we're taking part of a story, part of a truth, we're taking it in and we're, we're, we're allowing that to, to uh, mold how we feel about this person. And we're not hearing all the truth. We're not hearing that side of it. We're just hearing one side of it. And it's also affecting not only how, how we feel about it, but if we pass it on, how other people feel about it. But the point that we're writing here is that when we remember our own sinfulness, 
when we remember God's mercy, that his love covers all of our offenses, when we remember all of that, then God, who is love, has covered all of our offenses. He knows He knows every bad thing you've ever done or thought. He knows it all. He knows everything about you, and he's chosen to forgive you. Uh, and, and his life-saving mercy cost Jesus his life. In other words, what I'm saying to you is, the, the one cure for gossip is, you say, man, that's not a good place for me to go. Because you know what? I'm probably guilty of something similar. I probably thought the same thing, or I probably did the same thing. I better not go there, and I better not send it on to someone else. Because I have to remember who I am. Because the minute you put, what is gossip anyways? Why, why do we do it? Why do we put people down? Why do we share that with people? We do it because we want to feel better about who we are. If we could put somebody else down, we could say, that's not me. But the writer of Scripture says, oh yeah, it is. More than you'd like to admit. More than you'd like to think. The fact that you won't come to the place and see yourself there is just the fact that you're blinded. And so when you hear gossip, you say, oh man, it's probably me probably should stop right there and I should, should should not even be part of this anymore. Jesus could write up a, a report on you it would be 100% true and it could contain everything that you've ever done and ever said. And not just what you said, what you really meant behind the words. But He has chosen to bury your sins in the depth of the ocean. Jesus knows every bad thing about you. He says, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. It's gone. It's buried in the ocean. No fishing sign there. And by the way, it's as far as the east is from the west. If you can wrap your brain around that. That's what I think of your sin. That's what I think of your downfall. And that's what we ought to think about one another. Because without the grace of God, folks, we have no place to stand. We have no place to stand. Last one. You speak economically, not verbosely. Look at what it says in uh, Proverbs 10.19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. (laughs) I love Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18.21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. The wicked, this is Proverbs 12, 13. The wicked are trapped by their own words. But the godly escape such trouble. You know how the godly escape such trouble? They don't talk. I mean, that doesn't mean don't talk. doesn't mean they don't have a conversation. You know what it means. It means what do we tend to do? We tend to talk about others. And it's not always the good stuff. I love this verse. It's one of my favorite in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 17, verse 28. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. (laughs) That is so true. That is so true. Um, We talk too much. And we talk about the wrong things too much. We don't guard our words. And we don't watch what we say. 
And we wonder why our relationships are struggling. You know, there, there are multiple times where I wish I could go back and say, in my marriage, with my boys, with other relationships where I could go back and say, boy, I wish I hadn't said that. Boy, I wish I had said that in a different way. Boy, I wish I had just kept my mouth shut. But here's the problem. We can end here and we can say, okay, what do we do now? Well, you know, Jesus was one of the greatest communicators ever to walk this earth. And he never uttered a careless, unloving, unnecessary word. He said the right words at the right time in the right way. And the interesting thing is, you can leave and say, okay, there's five different ways I shouldn't or shouldn't use my words. And certainly Jesus is a great example to follow, and he certainly is a great example to follow. But it's, it's got to be more than that, you see, because if it just goes out to be, okay, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to do better, I'm going to, then, then that'll, give us the, that'll give us a model to follow, but it won't give us the motivation. And so I want to talk a little bit about the motivation. See, Jesus isn't just an example to follow. But he's a bridge to change, and he's a path to hope. See, Jesus came. And the writer, the, it's interesting because in the Old Testament, basically the, the, the nation of Israel told them to obey the law, follow the law, follow the law. And they, he, it just says over and over, you never follow the law. You never follow the prophets. You never obey. And the prophet basically said the problem was you didn't have, your heart wasn't in it. You didn't have the right heart. And so the part of the New Covenant, and that's the New Testament, part of the New Covenant was when Jesus came. He says, you know what, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new heart because you all need a new heart. And when we get a new heart, everything changes. And, and so Jesus didn't say, okay, here's the example, follow me. He didn't just say that. He says, I am the example, follow me. But he also said, and I'll give you the ability, I'll give you the desire to do it. But you can only get it when you get a new heart. Because in the end, our communication problem is a problem of our hearts. Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you are vulgar in your language, that's telling you something about your heart. If your heart words are full of worry and anxiety, it's telling something about your heart. If your words are filled with anger, it's telling you something about your heart. Your heart has to change. So how do you do it? How do you change your heart? Well, part of it is you take the Scripture in and you allow God's Word to speak to your heart. You say, God, show me where my heart... If you have a worried heart, go to Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, don't worry, I'll take care of you. We have to remind our heart that, tell our heart to be quiet. Sometimes we don't just have to tell our mouth to be quiet. We have to tell our hearts to be quiet. And, and you tell your heart to be quiet by teaching it what God says. But the, the ultimate thing that we need to do is we need to come to a place where we understand that Jesus came not just as an example, but he came to give us life and hope. And he came to give us the power. And he did that by taking the punishment of all of our careless, angry, hurtful, deceptive, and lying words. Took them all. And what did he get for that? When Jesus hung on the cross for every one of your deceitful, 
angry, hurtful, twisted words, what did he get? Heaven went silent. He got the silent treatment. He took the silent treatment for you. Jesus took the silent treatment in the time of his greatest need so that we could have community with God. See, when you, begin, when you, when you go there and you understand he took, he never experienced in all of the universe, before time, the Trinity was, was always communicating. And for the first time, heaven went silent. Why? Because we had the stench of sin. He had the stench of our sin on him. He was abandoned so that we could be well. And when you go there, you realize it was your sin. It was your words. It was your lies. It was your deceit. It was your harsh words. It was you. It was me that put him there. And he took the silent treatment so that we could be well. We could be well. He was abandoned so that we could find forgiveness and freedom. And so now he says to us, Guard your heart. Shut your mouths. Think about what you say. And look to me. Not just as an example, but find your power in me. So that when somebody comes to you and says, let me tell you about such and such, you go, no. I'm not going there. Because I'm as bad if not worse. And I don't need to hear this. My heart doesn't need this. And when you get into that argument, you say, I'm going to win this battle. I am going to win this argument. I am going to prove you wrong. Remember that Jesus said, I lose. But you win. His last words, it's finished. So may that power Invade your heart and soul in a way that you'll say, I don't need to win anymore. He lost so that I could win. And that will change our hearts and it will change our communication. Stand with me. Let's pray. Father, this is such a hard thing to do. It only comes as you go deep into our hearts. Some of us have angry hearts this weekend. We're angry all the time. And maybe we're watching too much TV with people who are angry or around people who are angry. Maybe we have hearts that are just worried, full of anxiety. And we just haven't heard you say to us that we care, that we matter, that You've got this, and we don't have to worry. We can trust you. Father, we just, many of us would say we've got careless hearts because we've let just dumb things spill out of our mouths that are just destroying the people and the relationships around us. And we just need to be quiet and be thoughtful. Think. Help us, Father, to be better, to grow wiser in our communication. 
so that we can go deeper in those relationships. And Father, thank you for Jesus who gives us not only the pattern to follow, the example, but the power to do it. For that we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.